Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hello, dear listener, who I may or may not know. Um, we do have literally tens of them. My name is Craig Fitzpatrick, and this is No Encore. Unleashing the flutes, <laughs> to paraphrase Jay-Z, who actually wasn't unleashing any flutes. Uh, he just mistook this choir for flutes. Um, but it was still, obviously, an incredible way to start a Nas diss. A good way to start an episode. It's episode 221, I believe, in a collector series. And I'm feeling very lucky because we have the sensational Fanula Jones joining us. Welcome, Fanula. Thank you so much. The sound I'm... of one man clapping. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, delighted to be back. That intro is so sad, so. I know, yeah. There's going to be like pockets of sadness throughout this episode, but also <laughs> I think a lot of uplifting moments, I hope. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm, yeah. I'm pockets of sadness you. and pockets full of sunshine, as Natasha Benningfield herself would say. Pockets of sadness was actually my emo band back when I was a teenager. Um, we didn't go anywhere. It was very distressing, quite fittingly. Um, great name, great name. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, wait, like, I'm counting on you to like bring the positive energy for this because it's going to be a roller coaster. We're navigating some treacherous waters to mix metaphors. Um, I'm here and I'm effervescent. <laughs> so obviously, so. Ennio Morricone passed away. That'll be in the news. And then there's other yes. news stories like the return of Craig on Kanye, um, which like seemed innocuous at the start of the week and then kind of went downhill. Such is life right now, I guess, right? Oh, so, truly. So, like... yeah, we'll get into it. Um, and our album this week is uh, a posthumous effort from Pop Smoke. Uh, 
Um, quite a kind of big cultural moment. So we thought definitely running the rule over that one. But then uplifting us towards the end is a top five I'm like super psyched for. It is Fanula's choice. Fanula Jones, what have you decided to go with? Um, I am obsessed with the theme of telecommunications in music. So I want to do a top five on the best songs that involve phone calls or maybe just a singular phone call. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, when you suggested it, I was like, I will not be able to come up with five songs. I feel like this will be too niche. Um which is what I said of your other suggestion, which was songs with football whistles in them. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was right on that one, maybe. I I mean, I I would like to revisit that at some stage, but um, we can can talk about Next time you're on. Maybe maybe when Dave's back, because I feel like he'll have a lot of those ones. Um, uh, This is what I'm saying. I feel like Dave would absolutely love that, but I can't wait for him to text me immediately after this episode goes live and and just immediately veto it. But you'd be surprised. (laughs) Football whistles feature more prominently in pop music than you think. Yeah, possibly. Once I once I think about it, because I spent 10 minutes on uh, songs involving phone calls and it's a huge genre. It's incredible. There's right. stacked playlists on Spotify. Uh, you also captured the nation's imagination with it. I saw your tweet last night. I was like, oh, well, that blew up. <laughs> oh, true. I can't wait for, I hope every single radio station or journalist that robs that idea for a piece. Um, you're welcome. I hope I hope you got. I hope I got you out a few hours work. Yeah, totally. I've been that soldier. I've been that soldier. There's a lot to get to. Um, yeah, we should say Dave's off obviously this week. Um, he's obviously such a shy and retiring presence. You mightn't have noticed. Um, but yes, he's taking a much deserved week off. Um, as I did last week, and Zara Hederman, um, very graciously stepped in for me, and she was great. It was a really good episode. Um, I think Dave's week off is something to do with like extended Fourth of July holidays. You know, he makes a ten day thing of it because he's like US Dave. I don't know. Um, Taylor Swift could never. Do you know what I mean? Where, like, if you were to compare him and her and Dave, the celebrations are just don't match. Like, I feel like yeah, there's a lot of things you could say about Dave that you could then add. Taylor Swift would never. That could be a se- that could be a running segment on the show. <laughs> it's quite the brainstorm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was last week. This is uh, this week. Uh, one more thing about last week. The last time I saw you, and maybe the only time I've seen you over the last few months, was uh, during Dave's musical quiz, which was great fun last week. Yes, um, yes. Where I was triumphant. Why would <laughs> you bring say. this up? I feel like between you and Dave, I feel like you're deliberately actually trying to poke the bear that is myself to garner some absolutely explicit reactions on this podcast and I will not stand for it. Yes, you did beat me, but myself and Higgs, David Higgins, came very, very close and we will have our revenge. We got, (laughs) there was a stupid round about Irish charts and I assumed that Dave meant the current top 40, which I would be. Um, very familiar with um, but no he meant the actual physical charts and you know what I thought that was a rap move and I'm going to say it now <laughs> on his own podcast and he can't do anything because I'm co-hosting so nice I love it um, yeah like obviously I I, I won um, I'm not going to make too much of that uh, myself and Colm O'Regan um, former co-host of this show as well um, but yeah I like you know just in general I felt kind of quite triumphant it was good kind of a, a social occasion for me I think I was quite really I'm, entertaining I'm, it was just a yeah. good craig yeah. evening all round yeah, um, yeah yeah 
You mentioned really, Dave Higgins. Yeah, really humble as well. Yeah, really humble. <laughs> Dave Higgins will be back with Dave as well and Norma uh, doing more No Popcorn, I should mention. So Dave is using some of his week off to record those. Um, there's a bunch of eps coming up. Uh, 24-Hour Party People, Control, Eurovision, Yesterday. It's all coming. Um, I should also plug the Patreon at this point as well. It's patreon.com forward slash no encore. Um, so yeah, if you want to give us, you know, the price of a, an extremely ludicrously expensive coffee, um, please do so um, do or whatever you have or you know if you just really need the coffee um, coffee's good so you know do what you gotta do just keep listening um, I cannot wait to listen to that episode well the two episodes of No Popcorn on the Eurovision movie and yesterday have you I, seen it? I've the seen Eurovision the Eurovision one. movie I haven't seen yesterday but from what I know of it I feel like the commentary is going to be out of this world and I'm yesterday really- has I think big like Ed Sheeran energy right is there an appearance from Ed or am I thinking yeah. of someone else okay there is no he's he's quite prominent in it from what I know of it okay okay because of course he is the modern day Paul McCartney I guess that makes sense of course right? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah like, extremely on par um the Eurovision movie as a Eurovision fan if anyone cares for my opinion um is horrific so do do with that information what you will I can't believe a Will Ferrell movie on the Eurovision doesn't quite work. Um, I, know, I know, I know, you think on paper. It's, it's actually so ripe for parody. Like if someone that just kind of got Eurovision, I, I'm like, I'm guessing, I haven't seen it, but I'm guessing they don't quite understand the cultural touch points and what, what makes it ludicrously funny. Or is it just the oh, jokes are crap? No, it's, it's actually more the jokes. Okay. But I know a lot of other people who are really into Eurovision who are like, this is amazing. I loved this. Wow, what a romp. But no, it wasn't for me. <laughs> Not for you. Okay. How has no. your um, pandemic journey been so far, Vanula? Because I haven't really been talking to you. Um, How has my pandemic journey been? It's actually not been too bad. Like I'm very up for remote working and sitting down and non-elasticated trousers. Um, Not seeing my family, not really a buzz, but needs more. Um, Have you been back to Cork? Have you managed to get back at this point? Yes, I have. I went down last week and um, had a ball and my family were absolutely delighted to see me. The prodigal daughter returns. Um, yeah, it's been fine. I'm, I'm, all, I'm one of those people who's always like, people are, there's people who are much worse off. So. Oh yeah, totally. It's been I'm right. the same. I'm the same. My biggest gripe has been that, like, I just feel kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't really take advantage of like this window of like, you know, pausing and like maybe bettering myself. And like on this podcast a few months ago, um, I was saying to Dave, like, it's kind of, it might be a good time to like live out my prison fantasy which is probably a poor choice of words but what I meant by that was like say I was you know sent to prison for like a year or something for some like you know I don't know white collar swindle or some you know hypothetically tax, yeah tax of course thing. yeah and I yeah. was you know I wasn't concerned with like getting shivved or something if I was in like some isolation mm. You know, yeah. I've kind of thought like, actually, yeah, I might start like reading the great works of literature. I'd probably better myself. I start doing like loads of push-ups. Do you know what I mean? I just come out like intellectually, like at my peak, just physically, yeah. like a, a something of a Greek god. Um, yeah. And this was my chance really without having to commit a crime. And now I've done nothing. Didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that as well, like looking at social media and watching people achieve things. Yes, I mean, it's been awful. To achieve a lot of things and um, it didn't happen. But you know what? Such is life. 
Such is life. Okay, let's get into the meat of the show because there's a lot to get through. We'll start with news. We'll start with the lead story. Let's just have the drop. Attention, everyone. One, one. Shut up. Craig on Kanye. Yep. There's Colm again, <laughs> making his annual, now annual appearance on the show. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, like, I can't believe we've been doing this podcast for, I think, four years at this point, And that is like the only bespoke drop we really have, which like, says a lot about the content and our priorities. He doesn't even go here anymore. <laughs> I know, right? And like the more, you know, Kanye's story progresses, I don't know how, you know, that, how fitting that is, even just like sonically and the kind of how it works. And it's a bit frivolous. Um, We thought this might be a frivolous story because um, speaking of um, 4th of July, Kanye West set off fireworks when he announced quite late in the day that he would be um, running for president. Um, His tweet was, we must now realise the promise of America by trusting God, of course, unifying our vision and building our future. I am running for president of the United States, um, American flag, hashtag 2020 vision. Um, so there was no kind of immediate follow-up um, bar, like a photo, I think a day later of his kind of Yeezy shelters coming together, which is a, a nice thing he's doing. It's a, a prototype for kind of low-cost living, uh, housing for the homeless. Um, but no, <laughs> in the days since, it's become very, very real. And I guess the latest update um, as we record is that he's given an interview to Forbes Maybe several interviews. It seems like they had maybe four hours um, on the phone with him. And it's described by Forbes as rambling and it's probably generous. So I don't know if you've had a chance to take a look at the Forbes content, Fanula. What are your thoughts I, on the run? I read, yeah. So like I read some of it and then as like a semi-lapsed Kanye fan, it became quite difficult for me to read. Yeah. Um, so I had to stop. I think I'm just, I, I mean, what I'd give to go back and just have him send that tweet and then nothing else come of it. And then he comes up with an album in a few months that's absolutely perfect. And I can continue to overlook some of the unbelievably crass and horrific things he said and done. Um, but I, I just think it's gone too far for me now. I think it's kind of twofold in terms of obviously his actions and what he's saying, like these this mad manifesto that he has, which I'm sure you'll get into in a minute, but yeah. we're clearly looking at someone who is up, who is manic and who absolutely needs help and isn't in a position where he's getting it. And that's really sad to watch play out in the in the public arena. But obviously yeah. I understand why that's happening because one, he's Kanye West. Two, he's threatening to run in what's going to be one of the most contentious US elections. I know. In like, of course the press are going to cover it. But it's 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 difficult. It's so difficult to watch and like ingest and realize that oh no, this wasn't just something he said on stage at the VMAs. However many years ago it was now too. Yeah. Three. Like that. To think back on that now, it just felt like a fever dream. And now it's like we're here, and it's like oh, okay, so. This is yeah, I, I'm obviously a kind of eternal optimist with Kanye just because I'm such a huge fan. Um, and it did seem like, you know, around the Black Lives Matter stuff, he'd kind of, you know, he, he was quiet on the issue. He did some great kind of charity work. He was out protesting. It seemed like a kind of considered move from him. It seemed like he might be in a better place. And then, yeah, I was totally like when he when he tweeted that out, I was thinking, OK, this is just like canny 
Kanye West that ha- probably has an album coming and will just like a lot of the initial coverage was that actually he's already missed a deadline for a bunch of states and he needs to you know file paperwork before the end of the month and I'm just like this clearly isn't going to happen he's just kind of saying stuff um, but yeah from this latest interview it's like he's definitely in a manic period I would say um, and a lot of the points I'll just read out some of the bullet points from the start of Forbes article we should probably shouldn't go into it too much because it is quite rambling um, but yeah the key takeaways are that he's running this year he says under a new banner the birthday party um, and there's, I don't have a quote to hand but when he was describing what the birthday party name meant it was something just like well when everyone you know whenever someone has a birthday party it cheers them up so if you just keep hearing that it'll be great <laughs> and I'm like yeah that kind of makes Kanye sense like that's great yeah um, absolutely he's, yeah he's gonna have guidance from Elon Musk who was very quick to, to subtweet and say he was uh, totally behind Kanye and some obscure vice presidential candidate um, who's like a pastor I think in Wyoming or somewhere like that uh, he says like everything uh, or anything I've ever done in my life I'm gonna win he did confirm that he no longer supports Trump. Uh, he's taking the red hat off. Um, but he wasn't really too critical of Trump. I think he's, he was just like, oh, he hasn't been great around the coronavirus thing and I'm I'm striking out on my own. Like, he was more critical of Biden. Um, yeah, he basically up- said that, like, a, like a Democratic vote is, like, so in support of white supremacy and it's not the black vote. Yeah, I think his point has been that... Um, it's that thing of like Biden saying to Charlemagne de God that you know you're not black if you don't vote Democrat and I guess Kanye feels like well what we only have one choice that's just more racism which I think is yeah. a discussion you could have um, yeah. but he does say you know other stuff around like vaccines which is just awful he calls it the mark of the beast he's suspicious of coronavirus vaccines Despite um, having it himself, which we learned in this Forbes interview as well. He's oh like, yeah, he says he had it in February. Yeah. Saying, said he'd never been as sick in his life and it was like nothing he'd ever experienced. And then to the turn of the coin to just be like, vaccines? Yeah. Oh, them. Yeah, I did see someone like point out um, Freddie Gibbs, uh, the rapper, was talking about this kind of anti-vax stance in like hip-hop and black communities. And his point was like, I know Nas did it over a Kanye beat like about a year or two ago and kind of ruined that song for me. You know, it was great. But Freddie Gibbs' point was that like, you know, when you're living in a black community and you see the kind of, um, you know, structural racism against you, you're just immediately suspicious of anything that's kind of being thrown your way, which is like, okay, yeah, that's another thing you could have a discussion around. Um, but yeah, like, you know, he goes on to say he, like, Planned Parenthood is like the devil's work. The, the worrying thing for me is that he is now at a point where he's just like saying that Bible passages are quite literal. And like everyone on Twitter being like, okay, this isn't, this isn't like a good political point to make. This is kind of dangerous. Like this tactically is bad for Biden. What's Kanye doing? My overriding takeaway is that like he's not talking <laughs> any sense whatsoever. He's clearly manic. Mm. He's not someone that we should be scrutinizing as a potential candidate. And like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, he's just yeah. kind of, he's down some weird kind of, kind of conspir- conspiracy um, rabbit hole. And I don't really, <laughs> like, I don't think he's coming at this from a, a um, considered point of view. So I think any kind of engaging him in any kind of discussions around, well, actually, Kanye, did you think of it this way? Doesn't really make sense. And I don't even know if it's right to be overly critical or even if Forbes should have been like, I don't know if it was the best use of Forbes time spending four hours interviewing Kanye West in the middle of a manic period. I mean, what are you accomplishing there other than making him look like a, a bit of a fool? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely not. And that's, um, I don't know if you saw Madian's tweets about it, the producer, he basically came out and said, like, people suffering from mental illnesses shouldn't be excluded from discourse, but the coverage of Kanye is irresponsible and yeah. enabling 
it makes me sad. I know the stories are fun, but I wish press was more compassionate. And it is just one of those things where I think Forbes was just like, yeah, let's just get the story above anything else. But like, it's not a comfortable read at all no. um, of what I did read. And I just, I have to agree with you. I think, I know, I'm sure people think there's some merit in debating this. And I know there's concern about um, taking votes away from Biden with this and whatever. But I honestly, I think deplatforming works. And I think ignoring sometimes works more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I, so I think that might be the best course of action when it comes to Kanye and this venture. Yeah, um, I wish it had just been the the announcement that he was doing the Gap partnership, which I was very excited about. I know, right? Let's go back to the close. And I know. Oh, anyway, that was great news. Um, in further bad news, um, we should touch on um, obviously the passing of Ennio Morricone. We started the show with the XC of Gold, and yeah, the Italian composer sadly passing away um, at the age of ninety one. So I guess a lot of the coverage has obviously been a celebration of an incredible life, such an influential figure. Um, he sadly broke his femur um, just before he passed away, which can't have been great. Um, he passed away in a clinic in Rome. Um, but yeah, of course, as you would expect, there's been a huge outpouring of respect and love and appreciation for Ennio and what he's done for you know, film, soundtracks, music in general. I mean, the points made in uh, this article we have in the running order that like, you know, a lot of his theme music for films are more iconic and actually more known than the films themselves which is very very true of course i guess mainly known for all the spaghetti western work he did were you a massive massive fan vanilla oh, spaghetti you... westerns or any old personally oh yeah it just seems right um i can't say that either would have particularly been my uh been my uh choice of film or tunes but i suppose when you consider the impact that he had on the industry as a whole. Like if you consider the influence he had on other people that I would have considered that wouldn't exist without him, like Danger Mouse and like Dire Straits, like yeah. is just indelible. So really, really big loss. And I know even speaking about it with other people and my my housemate, when it was announced, like I shouldn't laugh, my housemate when it was announced was like, gasp and was like oh my god any Marconi's dead like I have to text my dad like that was the immediate thing like he has just had such an impact individually and as a whole on people and the industry and musicians everywhere he just had like what he did was extremely special totally yeah not too many songs about phone calls which probably would be a mark against him in your book um, yeah, yeah man has just, just passed yeah, away so completely. if you could just lay off that'd be great <laughs> 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 But yeah, I mean, the various people, like there's been everyone from, you know, uh, like Hans Zimmer is obviously someone that would be talking about him, but also like the likes of Hideo Kojima and, you know, video game um, designers and just like, yeah, across the board, just a huge influential guy. I'm really sad I didn't see him live because he was doing like kind of so many live shows in recent years and it seemed to be like an amazing kind of overwhelming overwhelming experience seeing him. Um, I did catch, there was this Australian group a few years ago called the Spaghetti Western Orchestra. And they would like recreate all his soundtrack work on stage, just like through like kind of using folio sounds and like weird stuff. And it was cool. I saw it in London once and that was a good buzz. Um, so that's my abiding memory of Ennio. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who I spoke to who saw him in any of the recent like three arena gigs was like, it was just a, a jaw dropping experience. And to be honest, it was kind of something in the back of my mind when I was like, 
whenever gigs are back, like that's definitely something I should check out. So it is a shame, but obviously his legacy endures. Yeah. Um, one man whose legacy will not endure is Tom Meehan um, from Kasabian. Um, more grim news that we will cover. Um, initially at the start of the week, this was one where um, Kasabian um, put out a tweet saying that Tom was stepping away from the band um, because, you know, of personal issues that had been affecting his behaviour for a while. Um, people initially thought, okay, he's, he's been struggling with his mental health. He's talked about his uh, alcoholism problems in the past. So there was a kind of outpouring again of like well wishes for him, understandably. Uh, but it became clear the next day that he was up in court and was subsequently um, sentenced over domestic assault. Um, he was given 200 hours community service, which seemed slightly bizarre to me. Uh, in the statement, the judge was like, I, I could be sending you to prison. My thought was like, why aren't you? Um, <laughs> okay, any- why, why yeah. don't you then? Yeah. Um, Do it. I, we won't go into the details because you know you can all find them yourselves but it was kind of horrific stuff um and Kasabian following the tr- very short trial came out with a, another statement um which I think you know you've you've had the inevitable thing on Twitter where people are saying you haven't handled this correctly but I think by and large it's as good a statement as they could have made and they've been getting as much praise for a band you know handling this situation as I've seen really um, they were kind of pretty no-nonsense in saying that the legal proceedings are kind of over now. Um, no one in the band wanted this to happen. We've all worked so hard over, you know, 20 plus years um, and had big plans for our future together. They're, you know, completely heartbroken. They said that they were left with no choice but to ask Tom to leave the band. There is absolutely no way we can condone his assault conviction. Domestic violence and abuse of any kind is totally unacceptable. As soon as we found out about the charges made against Tom, we as a band made the decision that we could no longer work with him. Unfortunately, we had to hold back this information until he was found guilty in court. And then they kind of clear up some confusion where they say they were led to believe that Tom would kind of hold his hands up and um, put out a statement himself kind of fessing up to it. Now, Tom didn't. He put out a statement that initial day um, basically saying he was feeling much better. I'll see you soon, guys. Uh, quite ambiguous, but, you know, not suggesting he'd done anything wrong. Um, so, yeah, a pretty terse statement from Kasabian. Fair play, I guess, for being completely, you know, cutting all ties and being black and white about it. And, you know, obviously, first thoughts are with the victim who Tom has put out a subsequent statement and he's he's staying together with his partner um I guess that's for them to decide it's my heart did fall a bit when you see that kind of thing um announced but he he apologized further but Kasabian will I think maybe go on without him um yeah I would be well interested is the wrong word but like I would I'm I well I'm I'd like to see how they follow on from this I really didn't enjoy, and again, I know this is just a symptom of being on Twitter and general Twitter users, but the whole discourse uh, following that second statement around the fact that from, again, a certain cohort of fans, not everyone, I wouldn't like to make that blanket statement, but there was a certain number of people like kind of almost questioning why the band weren't standing behind Tom and there yeah, was a lot actually, yeah. of fighting under this statement, which like begs belief when you consider the circumstances, like impossibly, impossibly grim and just, just goes to show how much further we have to go in terms of making people understand that we have to believe women. And like, I mean, especially in a case like this, when it's so black and white, it speaks for itself. Oh my God, yeah. They're spending time on the internet 
defending someone who's just been convicted for something like this. I don't know. I've I've actually seen, I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan of Kasabian. I've seen them a couple of times and I'd enjoy the odd bits and bobs from them. I'm not sure how they're going to come back from this, even with even if Serge was to take over as that kind of front man mm-hmm. position. I don't know. I actually know someone um, who had a Kasabian song as the as the first dance at their wedding. So not sh- not sure how they're do feeling. You know like, the, hold on. Do you know the Kasabian song? No, I could. It, it wasn't like any of the. But like, was the club for? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I wish it was like Vlad the Impaler or something, but like our shoot runner. I don't know. It was, it was one, one of the ballads. The, so it was probably one of the one more that jovial sang, ones actually. or something. Yeah, probably. It was but, a ballad surge. Yeah. Hopefully that yeah. wasn't, that memory wasn't. We really. can only hope for those people. Yeah. Like I've actually interviewed both of those guys. And I, that first day, you know, someone was commenting that like, um, Tom, you know, Tom's a sounder. I wish him the best. And I was like underneath being like, yeah, him and Serge are just like genuinely great guys. <laughs> wish them all the best. Cause I didn't know. It felt so awful afterwards, obviously. Um, but he did. When but I met, is- I met, yeah, when I met Tom, he, you know, seemed like a very jovial, nice guy, uh, very down to earth and cool. How would you know? Um, and Serge, I probably have fonder memories of because he just seems like a really kind of kind soul. And actually at the time, he's a big Leicester fan. And Alex Ferguson had just left Man United. And I was like, oh my God, it's all over for United. He's like, I'm sure you'll be okay. You're like, I support Leicester. <laughs> Meanwhile, Leicester win the league before United. But anyway, so I I'm, I'm clinging on to, like. <laughs> yeah, I'm clinging on to Serge being a, a, a good egg. And it seems from a statement, um, he's as heartbroken as anyone, um, which I'm, I'm going to hold on to my optimism, um, my belief in humans there. But yeah, it's, it's an awful one. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, 2020. I know, right. Um, <laughs> there's an update on the whole Ryan Adams situation which I think we'll just brush over but essentially Ryan Adams in how not to handle this kind of stuff I guess and we didn't Truly, really need yeah. to hear from Ryan Adams he made a public apology in the Daily Mail first of all um, yeah, which is like of know course. audience um, yeah. he took it I guess it was the only publication that would like allow him to write a big like you know self-indulgent piece about where he's at performative yeah completely yeah and he's kind of you know I won't read any of it out, but he's been saying that he's, you know, looked really hard himself. He's gone to rehab, all that kind of stuff, um, which is night and day between the kind of leaked messages of him with managers where he's saying, I don't want to do any of this healing bullshit. I just want my career back. And I think the big giveaway in the statement, uh, like I'm all for second chances and people being rehabilitated, but he kind of ends by talking about how he's been working on himself and using his music to lay his soul bare. And he's written enough music to fill half a dozen albums. So he's basically promoting his upcoming work. Um, and yeah, Mandy Moore, who was his former partner, was um, a skeptical as well. She responded and basically said, I find it kind of interesting that he's made a public apology, but hasn't made any effort to apologize to the women who were affected. Uh, so that's, I guess, all you need to say about that, right? I'd love to meet one person who wants any of those half a dozen piss baby albums. Like tr- who? nobody asked for this. Nobody wants this. I know. I just... It's it really begs belief that he thinks he can come back after all this time. And as you said, so much evidence on the contrary to show that he's actually really not sorry about anything at all. And what he's sorry about is the fact that he got caught and has been called out for it. Just go, like, just no like leave. In the words of Jojo, get out, leave right now. It's the end of your career. Here, here. Okay, so he's one man we don't want to hear from. One man we kind of, I guess, do want to hear from is the hardest working man in um, the Irish live music circuit. It's Niall Rogers. Um, 
And he's been talking about the whole Black Lives Matter movement and just tangentially how like his career was kind of affected as a black man coming up um, in years gone by. And he was actually revealing how he envied David Bowie, who's a you know a good friend and collaborator with him, um, because he said David Bowie never had to worry about you know which race would listen to his music. Um, and he said that black artists have to stay in one lane. He's felt pigeonholed. Feels like he has to live up to certain genres and kind of stereotypes, which is very fair. And I guess yeah, right on. Now I think about it. Um, his actual quotes are, you know, he was talking to Bowie back in the day. And Bo, he was kind of, you know, venting about the way he was treated as a black man in the industry. Bowie kind of said, I've never um, thought about that. I just think about what I'm feeling and what I'm seeing. I never worry about what audience is going to like my music. Um, And Niall says he remembers saying it must be amazing to be white. But Bowie kind of got it. He wasn't offended at all. He understood it completely. And yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, even someone that has been, you know, you talk about sticking in genres, kind of invented genres himself and being such a pioneer, hugely successful, beloved around the world, but he still has those kind of feelings as a black man in America. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, like it's great that this resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement has like has allowed like people like Nile Rogers and other people to come out and be like, feel more comfortable about admitting it now. Because I can imagine holding on to that for so long, as you said, as someone who is so successful and continues to have like such an enduring career, imagine holding that for so long and watching your peers succeed in areas where you know you should be succeeding and you know where you're more than qualified and just not getting there because you don't have the access and whatever else beyond tough. And I really hope that this is like a sustained conversation and that we can just keep recognizing like what we can do as allies to just get out of the fucking way and yeah. like help in a way that isn't performative and recognize that how much we benefit just from being white. It's yeah, it's, it's hard to read that from him because as you said, like he, he just, like it's now fucking Rogers. Like, I but, know, but even, you know, when you do think about it then, yeah, like I guess he when you look at his career he probably does feel like he's just the guy that's like people tell just do your kind of funky guitar licks thing do you know what I mean he's so identifiably yeah. in that zone that yeah he, I, I can't really even imagine him being allowed to break out of that and the music being widely received you know yeah this is the thing even with I don't know if you read Tandy Newton did a profile with Vulture this week where she's basically has like a black book in Hollywood in terms of all the people that did her wrong in terms of Jesus, just one book. <laughs> like, yeah, just just one book. <laughs> I'd say it's long. Um, and she just spoke even about, I, no, I mean, it's different circumstances, but I mean, the same theme in terms of how, like, there was always this kind of thing of wanting her to be, like, hypersexual because of this completely incorrect stereotype that people have of Black women and whatever. It's rampant. And it's just, the sooner we dismantle it, the better. Because I think our art can only grow and be better and like to have this room for everyone I just I it, it needs to be done and I think we need to especially as white people I think we need to stop like crying about it and just get the work get to work and do the work yeah um needing to stop and stop crying about things um <laughs> next story <laughs> Jess Glynn turned away from restaurant for wearing a hoodie um She's been widely mocked on social media, the story says here, and yes, I would I would agree she has been. After she was turned away from a restaurant um, 
calling the decision pure discrimination. Uh, she hit out at Mayfair's Sexy Fish, which I think is like an upmarket um, sushi place. The worst um, <laughs> name for a restaurant. Sexy in- Fish. <laughs> I could not I could not name one Sexy Fish now off the top of my head. None, no fish could be considered sexy. Like, um, like <laughs> I was going to give Don't an Don't try to make there. an argument for like Seabots or something, you freak. Yeah, what am I, like Troy McClure or something? <laughs> 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 Our sonic architect Adam Shanahan in the background has put up a comment saying the one from Shark Tale, which I'm not familiar with. Oh, sorry. Oh, points are being made. Um, Angelina Jolie plays her. She's she is. Oh, okay. So sexy for a cartoon fish. Anyway, yeah, hold on, have, do they just do that? Like, do they just do that cartoon thing of like putting like lipstick on the fish? <laughs> like a sonic yeah, yeah, you actually yeah, completely yeah 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it works. Even, it works. Do you know what as well? Like calling a restaurant that's a sushi place sexy fish, you're getting into very weird territory of like, okay, so you're kind of attracted to the fish, but then you're like eating it. There's some weird, you know, like <sighs> like German cannibal. I don't, I don't know. It's it's odd. Yeah, she was probably best off being rejected from it, but um, she was aggrieved. Uh, she was in a grey oversized hoodie. She took to Instagram. Um, called them out and said, I turned up to your restaurant looking like this and you looked me and my friend up and down and said, no, you can't come in. And your restaurant was, all caps, empty. Um, so she then went on and found a, a banging meal elsewhere with kind of pure joy and wicked service. She says, please check yourself if this is how you treat people because it's rude, off-putting, embarrassing and most definitely not inviting. Well, yeah, I guess if you're not allowed in somewhere, it's not inviting. Um, you were ma- <laughs> We were made to wait and two members of staff came to look at us and made a decision based on our appearance. I think the attitude of your staff needs to change as that was pure discrimination. Thanks and bye. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of the social media reaction was like, read the room. There's more important stuff going on. I will say, like, just separately, I've seen people online make the argument of like, a kind of having a policy of not letting people in runners or tracksuits in can be seen as like, do you know what I mean? Are you excluding working class people? Is it like, do you know what I mean? There yeah, is a kind of debate yeah. around that. Um, I, yeah, I think that's a, a completely nonsensical policy now. In this yeah, state. yeah, yeah. At the same time, I think her reaction is the absolute definition of white privilege to try and cry discrimination. And again, as much as I will reiterate again, I think it's a stupid policy like you're talking about a fancy sushi restaurant in the middle of Mayfair. Like, I don't know how anyone with any common sense would be like, I'm, they're, they're probably going to have an issue with this, even though I'm fucking Jess Lynn or whatever. I saw her, I reviewed her for Golden Pleck. God, I don't know how many years ago it would be now. Whenever, whenever she last played the jury, now it would have been two years ago, maybe. Okay. And I, there's, I've genuinely, witness more personality in a wardrobe like it was she has the most like obviously her vocal is so incredible and like the staging was really cool she could have she like it was just so obvious she didn't want to be there it almost seemed like we were inconveniencing her by being there watching the show and I've heard so many similar stories in terms of uh, I think she did a show in the George or something adjacent and I know a lot of the Dublin drag queens would have issues with how she behaved on that night um, okay. But even now since, I think she's responded with an IGTV video basically being like, you weren't there, guys, like, and no apology. Just doubling whatsoever. down. <laughs> yeah, fully doubling down. And again, to reiterate your point and so many other people's point, read the room, read the room. Like we have, there's murder hornets outside. I mean, systemic racism. Hold on, we- hold on, hold on. Murder hornets. 
Actually, I feel like the I feel like the murder hornets aren't a thing anymore. But did you not see there was like loads of headlines maybe a month or two ago where it was like, no, they were in America. I don't think we'd have seen them okay. over here. Like they were fully, they were killing the bees, and I think had the capacity to kill you if they wanted to, um, which is never really great. They were taking it on like a case by case basis. Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Just, um, just, just whoever. Um, so I just. I don't know. I, I, I just, it's so, the lack of self-awareness in putting up that post, I, I don't know. I just, be, beggar's belief, like, to be honest. Yeah, it really does. Um, in terms of self-awareness, um, Spandau Ballet, um, the brothers Spandau, the Kemps, um, have released, I think it's already out, this mockumentary um, about the band, or more specifically just the two of them. And I guess it's like a take on the whole Bross thing, like after the screaming stops. Yeah, um, I was going to ask. Yeah. It yeah, but like it's anyway. but it's a comedy thing. Like it's not, it's them being self-aware and being like, aren't we hilarious? Just kind of copying the shenanigans of Bross. Um, yeah. Which it's like, I'm kind of at that point with a lot of parody stuff where it's like real life is so surreal and hilarious. That all seems redundant to me. Yeah. Um. But anyway, they've been... <laughs> They were mocking um, Tony Hadley, who, if you if you don't know, and of course everyone knows, he was the former frontman, right, Panula? Yes. <laughs> of Spandau Ballet. Yes. So they featured a painting of Hadley with devil horns, fangs and red eyes. Like he split up with the band apparently five years ago, just told them, listen, I can't be in this band with you people anymore. Um, And yeah, he's kind of stuck to his guns. He said he wouldn't have anything to do with the mockumentary. Uh, he's, he says, I'm done. Um, If they want another lead singer, that's their choice. But if you want to hear those songs sung by the original singer, you can only really see by one bloke. That's me. <laughs> Big <laughs> TH. Um, but the reason I threw this story in the running order was, um, first of all, a bit of serendipity because YouTube auto-played an interview Tony Hadley did with Lorraine about two years ago. Like, And I was like, why? What has my algorithm done that this is popping up? And I watched, I watched all of it, Fanula. It was like seven minutes long. Lorraine sucked me in because she's just like so amiable. And she was like, ah, Tony, great to see you. And I'm like, wow, are, are they actually friends? I just got I'd, sucked I'd, in. I'd love to be interviewed by Lorraine. Like if there's yes. any of those kind of daytime TV couches that you'd want to be on, I just feel like she's the human equivalent of a hog, you know? Yes, 100%. Yeah. The second part of it was, he goes on to speak about um, one of their biggest hits, I think probably the biggest hit, Gold, being used by Bold to advertise washing powder, which I've like lashed out at in recent episodes because I can't believe they signed off on it. It's, it, it's the cheesiest ad and you're kind of, I don't know. I, I don't see how I, that... <laughs> I, I love it. Oh, you need some clothes. So good. It's like crazy. But also, do Bob sometimes. Like, I think know? my my actual my initial problem was that Paddy Power used gold about two years ago for um an ad that featured um a guy in a wheelchair being brought to the match by his mate and like just to kind of his like his match day out. But he's right. like a really like he's a bit of a curmudgeon and he's just kind of singing everything that annoys him about the match until he starts singing like goal right <laughs> so there's all okay. lyrics like it's the entire tune but just lyrics adapted to that so that's two times in the last two years that the lyrics have been repurposed to sell um betting slips and washing up powder <laughs> and i mean like I, yeah i can understand your frustration there so i was not i was was not familiar with the patty power iteration and uh 
I can I can understand why. Okay, I just need to get that off my chest. Like, I don't think Enio <laughs> would have like let them do a kind of ecstasy of bold. Do you know what I mean? You gotta have a I bit mean, of respect for your material. They can't be paying that much. Sounds like you're manifesting it right now, though. You've put it out into the universe. I'm gonna hear it in a week's time, guaranteed. Someone just things- like take a few essays, scribbling them into a notebook. Like this guy's good. Write that down, quick. <laughs> this is all gold. This has been a great brainstorm. Um, other stuff you can listen to and some like upbeat, cheery, kind of nice, fluffy things to end the news section. Um, Billy Eilish has audio. Um, Harry Styles has audio. The Dalai Lama has audio. People are doing stuff. Um, so Billy Eilish is going to be on an Office podcast because she's like an Uber fan. A series I never watched, the US version. I hear it's I, a billion times better than the original, but... I actually, I started at four lockdown and I'm on like season, starting season six. Okay. I've been very with it as I am with all TV shows. I am enjoying it now and I'm finding it to be, because I've watched a couple of other things and you know the way sometimes you watch stuff and you're like, this is not dated well. Like Office has been pretty, it's been pretty okay so far. You know, you sometimes okay. it's like, oh, please don't be problematic. Please don't be problematic. This has been good. I've enjoyed it a lot. So that's a I'm, relief. You'd enjoy it, but I enjoyed it. So you said that was a very pointed you. I, just, I, I don't know if it's for <laughs> the likes of you, Craig. No, but I, do, I just, I feel like if I have an understanding of your taste, I feel like you <laughs> if you had to recommend a me a sitcom, like what would you recommend me? 30 Rock, which is problematical. Have you watched 30 oh, Rock? Oh, yeah. I, I used to, but yeah, obviously that's highly problematic now. I've been, um, you know, a frequent loyal listeners to the show will know I've been wading through the X-Files for the first time ever. Oh, yes. There's, there's moments of that where it's very 90s in a wooden kind of get away with it now kind of vibe. Yeah. It's Sorry, great. can I ask? <laughs> yes. Can I ask, have you, watched, have you watched Buffy? Yeah, but not, like I watched it back in like my early teens. I can't I remember half of it. Do, yeah, I, I feel like it. you should do a rewatch. We should, okay. and that's another one that I started See, Does that's ho- like you like. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the creator there is problematic, but oh, maybe not I the know, show. Craig, which is I know, Everything I So disappointed, I know. Turns to cancelled, but... Like, yeah. The X-Files is kind of innocuous enough. Um, I'm kind of also co-listening to um, this podcast called Fox Mulder is a Maniac as I go, which just okay. points out that like David Duchovny's character, like we all know he's just kind of a bit batshit because he's just yeah. believes that everything is aliens. Um, yeah. So I'm like on that tip with it. But there are moments where like he doesn't really believe women <laughs> for, for a start, right? Like, yeah. like you can kind of make the case that some of the stuff they're saying is unbelievable but because he believes everything you're like he should be the one guy like there's this yeah. episode where a nurse at like an old folks home is attacked by ghosts and it's the ghosts of deceased old folks and they like you know viciously attack her and right. she, when she relays this information um you expect fox Mulder, who's like spent two series being like you know of course it's aliens um, to be like, oh, of course, yeah, it's paranormal. Like, it's something weird. We'll get to the bottom of it. And he's just like, you're making it up. I'm like, no, Mulder, I thought you were one of the good ones. Oh, you're pulling my leg. No, and then there's other times where, like, his um, his boss, um, I'm getting way in the weeds on this, but, like, Skinner, there's an episode where he's found in bed with a prostitute with her neck snapped backwards. Like, it's literally facing the wrong way, like right. the girl out of The Exorcist. Yeah. And he's he's being framed. We know there's something weird and paranormal going on. But like it seems like he just murdered her. But Fox Mulder is like, 
No, dude. It's got to be like aliens. I got you, There's bro. There's something like, amiss he, here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's gosh. like the perfect, I've been calling him, like, he's such an alibro. Like, he will yeah. supply you with an alien-based alibi. He's got yeah. you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's a good show otherwise. So, Billy Eilish is doing the <laughs> Harry Styles, Harry Styles has teamed up with the meditation app Calm to do some sleep stories for fans, um, which sounds kind of cool. Um, he says he's a big fan of the Calm app. It's really helped him. I believe it was out Wednesday, if you want to check that out. Are you a fan of Calm apps or um, ASMR type bedtime stories? I, I, don't, I don't have the concentration levels, but I've seen like Harry Styles is kind of the king of TikTok in terms of skinny white males. Um, oh, okay. And a lot of people love him on that app. And I've just been watching a lot of reaction videos uh, to people of people like listening to it for the first time and proceeding to ball ball crying. So that's that's been quite enjoyable for me. The man, the man's impact is far too much. He's too powerful, I think. He is. But he seems to be using his power for good. So we applaud Harry Styles. Yeah. One person, I don't know if we applaud, I, I, the Dalai Lama turned 85 and he's released his first ever album, which is kind of like a funny, cool story. But wasn't he even like nearly cancelled for being like, women should look pretty or something? <laughs> There's some weird thing that like a fucking Tibetan monk, should, I don't know. There's some weird stuff around yeah. the Dalai Lama recently, I feel. Uh, but he's yeah. put out an album for his 85th birthday. Um, one man turning 80 was Ringo, um, who's a good guy, we think. I just, I kind of love this story because, uh, of course, Paul McCartney wished him a happy birthday on Twitter because he's like Tums Aloft, cheerpy Paul McCartney. Yeah. But also Pete Best, the original drummer from the Beatles, wished him a happy birthday. So like he was replaced by Ringo back in like 1962 or something. And he took to Twitter to say, thought about it and thought, why not? Happy birthday, Ringo. (laughs) It's a special one. Have a good day. I love that. I love that he's like, you stopped me being in like the most famous band of all time, but we're both like in our late 70s, turning 80 now. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it's that. definitely like, what do I have to lose here? Like it's, it's, it's an admirable flex and I, uh, I fully endorse it. Okay. Harry Styles, Pete Best come out of this new section looking really well. Everyone else, eh. Um, okay, we do actually have an amazing drop that I wanted to play, which is uh, a kind of a light reminder of the greatness of Ringo when he warned people with peace and love not to send him any more stuff to be autographed a few years ago. Let's go for that. This is a serious message to everybody watching my update right now. Peace and love, peace and love. I want to tell you, please, after... The 20th of October, do not send fan mail to any address that you have. Nothing will be signed after the 20th of October. If that has a date on the envelope, it's going to be tossed. I'm warning you with peace and love, but I have too much to do. A good dude, but it's going to be tossed. Um, Yeah, I love the awkwardness of that. It's sensational. And that will move us into the album review section. Okay, the album this week um, was almost Paul Weller, uh, but I think FJ, you saved us from the mod fodder. I do love him, but it was a long album. I don't know if I needed some, you know, future adventures in Modland. So we're going for Pop Smoke. There's a lot to unpack, so I'm, I'm delighted we're actually chatting about it. It's a big kind of cultural moment, as I said. Very likely number one, I think, on the Billboard chart as you listen to this. Um, his debut release, uh, long playing release, and a posthumous one. Uh, unfortunately, before we get into it, here's a taste. 
Many, 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 many men Wish that for me Yeah, I don't cry no more I don't look to the sky no more Cause I got it on me I got it on me I got it on me You can run up if you want and that was Got Around Me from Shoot From The Stars, Aim For The Moon. Um, that was the very distinctive voice of Pop Smoke, who was a Brooklyn artist, really like the standard bearer for New York's drill scene for uh, the length of his very short, I think, you know, just over a year long career. Um, but I guess you can hear there how, you know, he immediately felt kind of fundamental, essential to that scene. Um the gravitas and that kind of gravelly voice. Um, he was uh, killed in February uh, in a home invasion in the Hollywood Hills uh, at the age of just 20. Um, and he leaves behind a kind of slim um, volume of work in terms of legacy. So there was a couple of mixtapes that were critically acclaimed, um, Meet the Woo 1 and 2, um, and you know a few remixes and tracks he hopped on. This is what was going to be his kind of big long playing opening bow. It's been pulled together by um, Stephen Victor, who was managing him. He's Pusha T's manager as well, actually. And executive produced by 50 Cent, who was something of a hero for Pop Smoke. Um, so he kind of took up the mantle and was like, okay, we're going to get this across the line um, quite admirably. And yeah, I mean, like the cover art was going to be done by Virgil Abloh, who's another kind of hero of his. And there was a bit of uproar around that even before the the music was released about it felt like a kind of photoshopped job that was just a bit of a rushed one. Um, Steve Victor kind of switched it up, listened to the fans. And that really starts the discussion around, um, you know, whether the fans think this is faithful to what Pop Smoke would have liked to deliver. Um, is it a fitting tribute? Should it even act as that? Fanula, um, how familiar were you um, of Pop Smoke? And then listening to this album, what did you make of it as something that's arriving after the artist had any real control over it? Um, I knew of him by name and then was obviously horrified at the news of his death. Like that is, no one should die at 20 years of age. It's like the absolute definition of tragedy. I thought I'd never heard any of his stuff, but again... The only way I seem to be consuming new music at the minute is through TikTok um, because there was a dance challenge going around for his song Dior. So when I saw it on this album, I was like, oh, so this is who it is. Um, But this was kind of my first real sit down, see what this is about and like understanding his place in terms of bringing drill music to the forefront in the States and whatever else. Um, I love his vocals and I love that style and I'm I'm still kind of getting to grips with the genre itself but what I've heard of it I, I like I really like it in the UK I'm a big fan of Heady One um, I'm not 100% sure about this record I think it's in terms of it being a tribute to him and like a last body of work to visit for fans and whatever else I think it's very cohesive Um. My issue is some of the features, if not all of the features, I think actually Mm. detracts a lot from what he does and what he's very capable of doing in terms of his artistry. Um, I love, like, where he's strongest are the tracks where it's just him. Something Special was kind of a standout for me. It's very, like, kind of 90s, almost R&B-esque. Like, it was really, really 
really different and yet, as I said, still kind of fit the flow of the album. And then you the kind of more aggressive, like 44 Bulldog, where it just like if you were to give someone, if you were, if you would someone approach you and they're like, I've no idea what your music is, and you just gave them that. Like, what a piece of music. But then, as I said, where I felt I kind of started zoning out and where I stopped being interested was, I mean, I wouldn't be a fan of Tiger in the first place. And I felt yeah. his contribution to the album was like robotic, not very original, not very interesting. Um, the Quavo features, uh, the, I, I think it's Snitching, is that song? The other yeah. Song? And like, I just felt like that was the Quavo show. And again, there wasn't a lot of pop smoke in that, which I thought was unfortunate. Um, I don't know. Like it was, I think, I thought it was good. And I think the moments where he shines, it's really, really good. But I think, again, unfortunately, like For the Night is another song that I would really enjoyed to just seeing him and hear him and his lyricism. And again, like there's the baby features on it and little baby. I hate the baby. I think he's one of the most <laughs> overrated rappers out there at the minute. Again, that's for another episode. Um, so yeah, like there's a part of me that was just like, I feel like there might have been too many hands in this thinking that this is what people would want from this record and his record and whatever. When I think he was such a star in his own right, and there was so much room for him to continue to develop as an artist in this scene. I feel like there was a lot that could have been left alone that they just didn't. Yeah. um, I kind of echo a lot of those sentiments because yeah, what really struck me about him initially was when his stuff came on, it's that like kind of, you know, the, the drill thing of like chilly kind of horror vibes, you know, uh, UK just hard edged kind of boundary pushing combined with that voice. It was like so different. It it almost had like kind of pirate radio dispatch vibes, but coming from Brooklyn, like he felt so much a part of that scene. Um, and then obviously like he, he kind of blew up so quickly. So like, welcome to the party was this kind of, uh, quite weird thing just popping up, but you had Nicki Minaj hopping on it and he seemed to be like infiltrating like the rap caviar playlist and just kind of doing something different. This album feels like, everything else on the rap caviar playlist has just been fed into his sounds and he's just mingled with it. And my, my worry kind of coming into this was because it's, you know, it, it's always tough doing kind of posthumous releases because, you know, the, the artist has passed and how hard you kind of go in. It was a relief just instantly, like on first listen being like, okay, as you said, the best thing about this is like his delivery. He's kind of, you know, when he's really in a pocket, he's kind of almost hypnotic. He's such a kind of commanding voice. Um, like I, I would have loved to have seen how he developed as a lyricist. Obviously, he's kind of, you know, he was a twenty-year-old. Um, the kind of training wheels are still on in terms of some of the kind of cliches he's using and stuff. But he definitely has a unique voice and perspective. Um, so yeah, there's probably not enough of him, and he shines and he elevates everything around him. But for like a debut album, I don't know if it does him justice that he has to elevate the stuff around him. And yeah, you're right. Way too much Quavo. There's like three Quavo tracks. Um, and everything that comes with Quavo just already to me f- sounds very dated, right? It's a sound that's been around for so long. Um, yeah, completely. And it, it, as I like, it's it's jarring in comparison to what he does with like the the riffs or whatever the word. Do you know, like where the, the ad libs? That's the word. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Like it just again, it just totally took me out of the moment of what this like record 
is supposed to be. And I've when I was reading up on it, I've seen people describe it as like the the kind of perfect LP to describe this last summer and it kind of embodies that. And I see glimmers of that and I and I feel like pockets of that energy. And then you have people like Quavo just completely going that like over the top style, which I enjoy when it's a Quavo record or yeah. a Migos record. I, I, th- I just think it's a real shame that that they felt it was necessary to take away from, like, it's not your record. Do you know what I mean, Quavo? Like, it wasn't your record. <laughs> like, it, like, you don't need to be the centre of attention for this. It was kind of unfortunate, I think. Yeah, I mean, by track three, you have, as you said, the babies rocking up uh, on the one track. <laughs> the and, babies. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> Little and da. Um, <laughs> and I actually kind of like like the the Sonics of that. It's kind of got a cool kind of lilting Nintendo vibes thing going on. Yeah. And it's a bit of yeah. a fun track. But it is weird <laughs> that they're like, you know, in their verses, they're talking about like girls that like, you know, white wine instead of Hennessy. And then the next line from the baby is like, rest in peace, you know, um, pop smoke, like which is just like, oh yeah, like he's actually passed. And like, you're going from very kind of, party songs to being like oh yeah this quite serious thing of like he's no longer with us and it just yeah it didn't yeah. fit like right to me the tone was all over the place yeah and this is the thing I'm sure obviously people and they would want to pay tribute and I think it would be weird to not acknowledge what's gone on either but like they you're talking about two different you're talking about shade and light there where it it just what like it I I, I don't know I can't understand how you could sit down and write that and be like yeah that's fine this is completely fine like I as I said I wouldn't have minded if it was like I don't know how how exactly how long that song runs for but it was if it was like 10 or 20 seconds shorter and it was just whatever verses that Pop Smoke had written himself and that instrumental because that instrumental on that track is so good um but yeah like it's certainly not a bad record and I did enjoy it but as I said, I think it's definitely a case of too many cooks and I think too many conflicting ideas of what this should be and how, like what kind of tribute this should be to him when it should have been him front and centre at the focus, like reflecting on what he did in terms of that scene in Brooklyn and drill music and... And even more Brooklyn artists as well, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah it's- even beyond genre, like that voice is just completely menacing and that final track actually is so ominous what's it called the tunnel vision i think yeah um, it's kind of an outro anyway, then, yeah. yeah um to have that that uh interview clip at the end where someone's asking him like what what do you want to be remembered for what do you want to be your legacy like it's that's a really stark and like kind of powerful closer i think but um i just wish that energy and that kind of uh consensus had been kind of kept at the forefront of everyone's mind throughout the making and finishing of this record. Yeah. I mean, being devil's advocate, it does kind of, it shows his versatility. Uh, He kind of works on all those different types of songs, even if they don't, you know, it isn't exactly what we want. And I wonder, like you could make the case that he might've wanted this exact sound for this kind of major release, just in terms of like, going to have big commercial appeal um i think he tackles the kind of r&b kind of love stuff as you pointed out like really well he it's like there's almost that tupac thing of like he can he can marry those kind of two distinct point of views and he pulls them off so well um so i wonder would he have wanted that kind of steer into more kind of commercial territory 
But by the same token, it's like it's setting the stage for, you know, someone to step up and be like a star kind of commercially. But it's like, you know, there's there's no one coming onto the stage like this is it. It's not, yeah. it doesn't have to be a kind of, you know, calculated commercial move. That's not what this, it needed to be kind of maybe some summation of, of what he'd been. Um, I think 50 Cent has done a good job. Um, but he might be like that, a kind of elder, like paternal figure that's like well-intentioned and is like pulling together, like doing something for the younger person that they think they'll like, but not quite getting it right. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, oh, he likes, he likes a bit of West Coast stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> like, I don't How know. How do you do, fellow kids? Like- I, can't, I can't be mad at it because I think everyone was like really well-intentioned and, and there's obviously a lot of, like he was held in high esteem. It's good to see, you know, um, hip-hop artists band together. And there's great stuff on it. Gangsters is great. As you said, 44 Bulldog is great. Like the harder stuff is very good. Make It Rain, The Woo, like that little run is very good and the R&B stuff. And yeah, as you say, such a presence, um, like his flow being that Tupac thing, Shades of Fiddy as well. Um, but yeah, overall, I think if if you wanted to show someone what Pop Smoke meant and why he made such an impact, this is not where you'd send them, I guess. It's going to be the mixtapes, I think, that become classics um and yeah. there's good stuff on this and it's good you know these tracks will sound great on the kind of spotify playlist and they're still you know a notch above a lot of the other chart stuff um but unfortunately like if he was still around he would be doing a lot better i think so it's probably a six out of ten for me um i will come back to a lot of these tracks i think but it doesn't quite work as an album for me um i'd have to agree and say six out of ten I think the second half of it is a lot stronger and I did as you said I enjoyed that run of songs but yeah I think if you're looking to see what he is about I think the mixtapes are him at his his best and his most brilliant and kind of breaks down what he was all about and again just highlights what could have been and just how sad of such a situation this is that he couldn't fully get to realise maybe that star potential that he had. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, very sad all around. Um, okay, let's go into the main event. No, no encore at its best. Very excited about this. We're into our top five lists. Um, songs involving phone calls. Like, Fanula, you've talked about being kind of obsessed with this as a genre. Um, can you pinpoint when the obsession started? Do you have a central kind of thesis to like, like, are you, you, you know, is there some overriding thought coming together about like what these songs are? Or are you, you just like the chance? Oh God. So I think th- it was the year that um, Drake released Hotline Bling. And then I think it was the same year that Adele did Hello. And it was very much yeah. this, like, you know, there's something about, I, I just find it fascinating these conversations that these people have like the embodiment of these conversations of having these mad declarations of love over the phone and how it always comes back to like not talking face to face I think is is I just think it's mad how it's a, such a central theme for across a lot of genres in terms of these artists like maybe not being able to say what they want to say directly so they do it on a phone call and then do it through a song I always think is really interesting I, it's yeah I just I just love it I just think they're neat yeah. to, to quote no, it's, 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 I just think they're neat 
it's a really good like mechanism because uh, it's like half the time the phone becomes like the villain of the piece or it's like this obstacle do you know what I mean Which yeah is cool. totally there's so yeah, much yeah. just so much to choose from as well and some really big hits um we will start with an example um this is Kanye um showing us why he is still lovable and we still care about him in certain ways this is actually just a little clip I took from him on Hot 97 where he called up Ebro in the morning who Ebro had been kind of um, not a fan of some of Kanye's kind of political shenanigans, um, maybe quite rightly. Um, and Kanye was leading with love and referencing one of the most famous songs about phone calls. Yeah. How you doing? I love you. Love you too, man. Are you leading with love? Is that what we're doing today? I love you, bro. Love you too, Kanye. <laughs> There's a moment. You want me to put you on hold? Talk to you privately? Nah, man. I'm just going to say I love you. Love you too, man. Anything else? Nah. Man. I just called to say <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love you. <laughs> Phenomenal. A bit of Stevie there. Um, who did not make my list spoilers um, because I think that's one of his cheesiest songs. And obviously as a hipster, I love all the 70s stuff way more. Um, I didn't pick Kanye's Silver Surfer intermission either, even though that's an actual phone call. Um, from Max Richard B, Chambers Yeezy, is, out, Yeezy, is out there somewhere fuming. Yeezy, <laughs> yeah. Yeezy, oh, so good. It's not on my list before either. We, so good. Before we get into, yeah, my choices, um, because you picked such an amazing top five, can you take the lead, Fanula? Do you want to give us your five? I sure can. Um, coming in at number five, we have Backstreet Boys with the call. What a moment. Incredible. What a moment. When I um, when I put this out on Twitter, like it was kind of 50-50 people suggesting this, like ironically and not ironically. Um, oh, yeah. I remember if I was on this podcast and saying this before, but I saw Backstreet Boys this time, around this time last year, and I've never had a lived experience like it, and I don't think I ever will. It was like what I imagine being on hallucinogenics would be like it was quite I've never because I went I was reviewing it but I was just I was just off the back of like a very long flight so I think I was really jet lagged and very on the way to being drunk and they would they oh I can't go into it but it was what an experience and <laughs> they did this as well and I for, kind of forgot that this was in their library and just that uh, the chorus is so good, like this whole soap opera thing of being on the phone and the battery is low. And it's, oh, it's so good. But fun fact about this, I don't know if you know, um, Max Martin produced this. And uh, during the vote for it, um, Howie Durrow farted and Max Martin worked it into um, the tune as we know it today. He worked it in like it's a like it's an essential part. Like yeah, it's been so sampled. So the bit where it's like dun 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 dun, it's that's something. all. <laughs> it's well, that's the entire thing. I don't thing. know if it's all. That's what he sounds like. 
that would be such a questionable digestive system. Even I, I do not have a degree in medicine, but I would, I would be concerned. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's doing the rounds now. They did an interview about it uh, for the 20th anniversary, but again, it's there's a clip of that interview going around on TikTok now, and uh, someone also brought it to my attention when I uh, said it on Twitter as well. So there you go. There's a fun fact of us out of parties. <laughs> nice. I, I feel like the Backstreet Boys are po- like they're beyond kind of ironic love at this point, right? We can just agree that they have some absolute jams. They're into nearly, nearly, not quite American take that standards, I, I, right? No, I would say they absolutely are American take that. I would say they are the world's take that. Fuck take <laughs> Sorry. What? No, come back. Take that can come back to me whenever they come come up with a song such as this, The Call, or Out of the Knife. I'm sorry. Hello. Black for Good is one of the greatest pop songs of the past I know. 50 years. <laughs> okay, but it's a bit whingy. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Backstreet Boys were a minimal whinge, like, maximum, f- like, force the floor, uh, crying pop, boys and girls and dancing. It, it, they had it all. They did it all. I really can't stress enough how much of an impact the concert had on me to the point where I would probably be willing to get into a physical fight. I'd actually love to see them. Their last album we reviewed on this show and it was great. Like there was some really good pop songs on it. I would definitely go and now, see them. Um, sorry, on the most, is if that was the DNA album, there is a lyric on the song New Love and it says, who are you, the sex police? Which is, yeah, I would, yeah. I've, I've never gotten over since I heard it live. They do a cruise and I think we should all go as a... No, I know like everyone does trip. cruises now, but I th- didn't think the Backstreet Boys would. It's, and it's just them, obviously. They don't need to band together. Yeah. Like, they don't need to get in sync kind of also ran members no. on board. No, 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 no. Okay, no. fair. No. I feel like calling Take That kind of moany is a little harsh. Am I Am I going to get... I do really like them, but like we, they are moany. In the same way they that can't I help. They're from they're Manchester really though. They're from Manchester. They can't help it. All and right, I, my number... All problems like, you know. We do, we do. <laughs> My number five is um, a group from Sheffield, not Manchester. Good afternoon. Tranquility Base. Hotel and Casino. So Arctic Monkeys there with the title track from their album Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Um, I was going to go with Why Do You Only Ever Call Me When You're High, which seems like the the obvious one. Uh, and mm-hmm. I do love that song. I love how they were trying to do like a G-Funk thing with guitars um, and the kind of falsettos in the background. And it's great fun. And it's kind of almost too relatable of like being in your 20s, I think. Maybe that's why I didn't pick it. Um, and this might be a slight cheat because... It's maybe about a fictional hotel, but I would argue that there is a fake phone call in it. And I was doing some research on this song and Alex Turner did say that, first of all, there was a bloke with a phone and he says, Mark speaking. And I'm like, where is he? I decided that he was there at the Tranquility Base. It happened backwards like that. So without the phone call and Mark speaking, you can't have the song. Um, And like, I'm a big advocate for this album. Obviously, the fan base, like a lot of the fan base were like, where are the like, 
I guess, Why Do You Only Ever Call Me Wayne Hall kind of songs, where the kind of choruses, well, the chorus for this song is fake weird phone call from a dude who's like supposedly on the moon, but it's just Alex Turner maybe on narcotics. I don't know. This is, yeah, that's, this is definitely the best song off that album. I actually kind of forgot. I'm raging that I didn't think of this for my own list. Um, I was probably one of those fans who was like, where are the choruses? And then I saw them do the whole thing live and obviously all the other hits and this is just, what a solid groove. What a solid, yeah, the like, baseline. the body. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. And it has like on, he, he, you know, he has that treated vocal thing of like the old, like landline low fidelity thing, which I love yeah. in songs. I don't know if that's oh, going to feature, yeah. in, you know, other tracks, but yeah, it's such a, such a good go-to. Um, that album also has the bat phone as a song. So lots of telecommunications based stuff there. A great album. Your number four, Fanula. Do you want to give us a hint before we hear the clip? Uh, oh, okay. Um, oh, um, <laughs> you can just. Um, I hope you've been following the rules, the new ones. <laughs> One, don't pick up the phone. You know he's only calling because he's drunk and alone. Two, don't let him in. You have to kick him out again. Three, don't be a strange. You know you're going to wake up in his bed in the morning. And if you're under him, what a tune honestly like this really just did like Jew has a lot to answer for she's really ushered in that era of like anti-fuckboy pop with this and have you ever heard a pre-chorus more iconic and more I know it's very that good just embeds itself in the front of your brain and captures that moment in the same way, I suppose, as you reference, like Arch Monkeys, why'd you come in your eye? Like that very millennial experience that so many people have had where it's like, just don't text them back. Just log off. Just do not, do not text them back. Everyone has been like the Jew in that situation. Everyone's been like Jew's friend in that situation. And I, it could be about Alex Turner, like in that song. Do you know what I mean? Who, it's like two sides of the, you know, yeah, yeah. I, but I just even remember hearing this for the first time on the radio and just being so excited about what this could mean for pop music and what she was about. Because I felt I didn't really get her before this song, as I'm sure a lot of people did. And I just feel like it just solidified that attitude that she's like just effortlessly cool and... Just the, oh, like, feminist anthem might be might be an overstep, but I'm willing to make it. Feminist no, anthem. No, that's fair, I think. Really yeah. new rooms. Um, and our sonic architect, Adam, put in the comments that she can do no wrong, um, which is certainly true at the moment. Um, are you, you're a Charlie fan, right? Because I felt like I with am, that last yes. Dua Lipa album, it's like, it was so good. That was like, it was kind of what I expected Charlie to you know, grace the world with at some point, just in terms yeah. of really delivering on the kind of hit after hit after hit. Which I don't think yeah. she's quite done yet. She's done, other, you know, more avant-garde stuff really well. But yeah, it was so like, just, I guess, undeniable as a pop record. Yeah. Like she's Same gigantic with, at this point. Yeah. I know um, Louise Bruton made comparisons to, between Jua and Lady Gaga before and she and, and her review of Jua's most recent album basically said that like, this is the sound that Lady Gaga has been chasing for years. And I couldn't, I couldn't agree more because Future Nostalgia is just like hit parade. And she's, it's so comforting to see an artist with that much potential hit their stride and hit it 
so well. And especially when I have such a deep affinity for pop music, especially when it's done well. She, I'm so excited. She's, and I've never, the excitement for me when it comes to duet has just not waned since this song. Very fair. Okay, my number four choice. Um, it's it's an act I'm very excited about, as listeners will know. Um, I'm not sure if you do, Fanula, um, but you might you might have missed me getting deep into this band. Many of our friends have become concerned, um, okay. except for maybe David Tapley. Right. This is the Dan. Yeah, Steely Dan with Ricky Don't Lose That Number. It's kind of an obvious one from them, obviously. I think it was their highest charting song um, from 1974's Pretzel Logic. And yeah, like, I just think it's great. Like on that chorus there where it's, the first hook is brilliant. And then they slightly tweak it and elevate it. And you're like, oh yeah, these guys are really good. Um, <laughs> everyone I talk to about Steely Dan are kind of like, oh yeah, Steely Dan are kind of all right. They're kind of like yacht rock. It's just like pleasant music. And I'm like, no, but yes, but they do like the perfect form of that. And also they're like kind of weirdly subversive and like, you know, grungy in the lyrics and ironic and cool. Um, so yeah, I think they're just a band that at some point, if you try hard enough, they click and then it's suddenly the greatest music you've ever heard in your life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I keep hearing of people having this experience. Maybe I need to undergo some kind of listening exercise to see myself. Because again, I just have the assumption that they're like very wholesomely inoffensive. Every, everyone will probably have a good time and no, yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody will get hurt or be sad. So I th- this is a band that I need to do a deeper dive and dig into. Yeah, like, because they're not, like, the music is very, like, warm and slick and just well executed, but, like, they're not wholesome whatsoever. Like, they're all, like, the lyrics are kind of, like, most of them are character studies, they don't really write about themselves, but it's kind of, like, quite dark, quite funny, and the two guys, like, uh, Donald uh, Fagan and Walter Becker are just, like, these kind of two outcasts that were, like, at a time when maybe, like, punk was happening they were just like no let's get loads of session musicians to like execute these songs we have in our heads these like jazz songs and like just be really really like perfectionist about getting these weird little songs out there which is like cool so i think yeah if you kind of get to know them in interviews it kind of suddenly makes sense uh but yes this song in terms of (laughs) telecommunications so there's no actual phone call in this so is that allowed because he just wants ricky to call her Call him at some point, right? Yeah, look, yeah, I think I'll, I will allow it because there's okay. a to engage in telecommunications. I'll allow it. Okay, but. okay. This is actually a true story, apparently. And this is kind of weird, right? So the Ricky in question um, was, <laughs> um, like, Donald Fagan was at Bard College when he was younger. And Ricky was one of his professors, like, the wife of one of his professors. And she was also, like, I think pregnant at the time. And she said like years later, she was talking to Entertainment Weekly and she was like, yeah, I remember um, me and Don had a great conversation and he did suggest I call him, which never happened. Um, she's apparently now a well-regarded novelist and artist. Um, but there she says, yeah, 
I, I know he thought I was cute and I was cute. She laughed. Fair enough, Ricky. I was, <laughs> I was very tempted to call him, but I thought it might be a bit risky. I was very enchanted with him and the music. Uh, it was evident from the get-go that he's wildly talented. Being a young faculty wife and, I believe, pregnant at the time, I behaved myself, let's say. Years later, I walked into a record store and heard his voice and thought, that's Fagan and that's my name. I'm just like, what, <laughs> what a weird story. That is very weird. That it is. is very weird. I also like like the <laughs> the idea of like send this phone number in a letter to yourself because it's the only way to save keep it. Because like we don't have contacts or proper phones or anything like that. It's very old school, um, and it's kind of weirdly sleazy and stuff. But I think the Dan have enough self awareness to be like, yeah, they that's kind of what they're going for, and they're making fun of that kind of thing. And it's a great song. What is your number three, Vanilla? Um, my number three involves two leading ladies in the music industry. Why is someone ringing me? That's so weird that we're talking about telecommunications and I should get a phone call. Um, it's neither of these women ringing me, unfortunately. But um, Lady Gaga and Beyonce, the ultimate collaboration with telephone. Hello, hello, baby, you called, I can't hear a thing. I have got no service in the club, you say, say. What, what, what did you say? Oh, you're breaking up on me. Sorry, I cannot hear you. I'm kind of busy. Yes, my two faves together at last from the Fame Monster, which was like the extended edition of Gaga's debut album. Um, came at a time when she was obviously just completely dominating the scene in terms of music and music videos. I think she was kind of the last artist to like drum up any kind of anticipation for the corresponding music videos. And this is no exception. Like this, this, this the video for this song is like blockbuster quality. Like Gaga's yeah. in jail and she has to ring Beyonce to break her out and they're eating like a sandwich in the car and then there's these <laughs> sequences and like very iconic in every aspect of it. But again, it's just that whole moment of, listen, I'm I'm out for a boogie. Don't even bother calling me because my phone will be on silent. Um, and it's very annoying to keep getting these missed call notifications. There's been rumours of a sequel to this going around for as long as the song has been out and we're no closer to it. But I think every... Gaga and Beyonce Stan lives in hope because I think that truly would be a cultural reset. Just so good. Just the strings at the start, like it's so bombastic. And then obviously like the energy that Bay brings to every song, so good. They are just a match that probably, I'm sure a lot of people questioned at the time because Gaga was seen as being so eccentric and like weird and, Beyonce at the time kind of hadn't really broken into that whole, what's the word, like herself as an artiste per se. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still kind of seen as like very safe and very, you know, like typical Beyonce. For her to come out and do that and for it to work as well as it did, I think is a testament to the two of them and obviously to Gaga's writing because that song is just so good, so good. I'm kind of annoyed at the clip because it just kind of fades out and I'm like, no, I need the full thing. Like, I need that payoff. If you want, the- but I don't want home and you're not going to reach my telephone. It's so good. I remember uh, on the initial campaign trail, 
Um, she did a performance of this at the Brits, but she did like a very slow down acoustic version because um, of Alexander Queen's passing, like in tribute to him. Um, and I remember hearing at the time and I was like, this song is, uh, I had the best of intentions, but this song is absolute dog shit. Um, and then again, hearing it properly and hearing it in its full form, it's just like an absolute, it's a triumph in terms of storytelling and it's, oh, I we all gaga so much. A lot of people have, have said that Beyonce actually had a kind of prequel to this, in inverted commas, on I Am Sasha Fierce with video phone. Yeah, but, I was going to say. it's nowhere near this in terms of quality. No. It's just, no. if you were to build a factory that produced pop hits, like this would be the blueprint, 100%. Agreed. Yeah, the writing is so good. Uh, really good chemistry on it as well. And yeah, where where do you think Gaga's at? Because I didn't really see the reaction to the album. Uh, I listened to it a bit. We were going to kind of cover it, but we ended up just not doing it. It seemed to arrive at a weird time where she had this album of like uh, the new album Chromatica, which is a lot of like disco pop bangers like made for the dance floor and it arrived just as no one could go anywhere and like do you know what I mean it seems to just be a bit of a damn squib in that regard like she was unlucky with timing I think yeah totally I liked it I haven't revisited it as much as some of her previous records and I think there's a part of me that I think it was a bit of lip service to the fans if I'm being completely honest and there's a part of me that's conflicted about that because I feel like people, or there were a core of people that were just so allergic to Joanne and so allergic to art pop. And they were just like, just give us the hits. That's all yeah. we want. And I feel like she was like, right, okay. And she did it. And I think it succeeds to a degree, but I feel like it's very her by numbers, like Gaga by numbers. So some of it is a bit predictable. It's very listenable. There are some very enjoyable moments on it. The collab with Elton John is batch it in the best way possible but um it didn't leave me feeling extremely satisfied as much as um some of her previous efforts but I think there is something for kind of every kind of Gaga fan on it whether you're lapsed or not yeah yeah like there's good songs on it obviously kind of no melodies that really approach this selection um which is uh, you know a tough ask for sure okay my number three is um some French guys speaking Italian That's Phoenix with Telefono uh, off the album Tiamo, um, which was heavily indebted to just hanging out in Italy and thinking Italy's cool, which was struck me as weird for a bunch of cool French guys. Like you never think of other cool countries kind of fetishizing different countries, if that makes mm, any sense. Yeah. Uh, but I love that album. Um, I'm still a bit mad at them for cancelling their Olympia show day of because Thomas Marr had a bit too much to drink and was just, yeah. I think that was the kind of thing. They never came back. I forgive them because they're great. And this is the album closer and I think it works really well. It's very, very vulnerable. Um, Thomas Mars uh, is famously married to Sofia Coppola and it's about that long distance thing of like 
her being, you know, her off directing a film, her in Hollywood and him being at like a bit of a loose end. And like, I love that line of just like, how can I sleep when you're wide awake and just the time difference thing and that kind of discombobulated sense of kind of that you really feel the distance between them. Um, so I think, yeah, that speaks to your kind of thing of like almost misconnections and like, you know, it's about telecommunications, but actually it's about not com- communicating. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's as much about what's not said. Yes, exactly. I need exactly. to, I, I need to revisit this album because I remember liking bits and bobs. SOS in Bel Air is off this album, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I need to revisit this because I, I feel like I dipped in at the time and was like, I enjoy this. And then for whatever reason, I didn't get into it properly so oh, actually i tell a lie um s and bel-air was off um the entertain or no sorry the bankrupt oh, album yeah, which there was some yes. great yeah, tunes yeah. on but it didn't actually it didn't get the like the best reviews and i think this was like the return to form maybe so i don't know if it passed you by but um i think maybe it did yeah I yeah well, this was like up there with, to revisit now with this uh, yeah um but yeah like i think i like that thing of like him being a bit vulnerable and it's it doesn't feel like him like checking up on his wife do you know what i mean it doesn't have that thing of just like what are you up to and who are you speaking to it's kind of him just being like in a weaker position really and she's kind of calling all the shots and he's like are you gonna visit me at any stage like just something sweet about it combined with that like you know bouncy fluffy kind of synth pop thing um it works really well it's a sweet sweet song vanilla what's your number three um our number two are we on to your second choice we might be we're on to two i think Let's do it. Closing in. Running um, up. Nabbing, silver place for me. Um, it's a gal who is uh, struggling to get through to her lover and is considering getting with the operator, which is also the name of the song. He doesn't came up so much as well on Twitter when I asked about phone call songs. This is Lapsley and this is Operator. It's the DJ Cozy remix um, from her debut album, Long Way Home. Um, The song is just an absolute juggernaut to the point where with this remix in particular, I I have friends who've gone to see DJ Cozy at festivals and shows and when he doesn't play it, there is... (laughs) a large amount of resentment from my friends, which is fair enough. Um, samples the Manhattan Transfer Operator, which is where that juicy, juicy, lovely chorus comes from. It's just everything you could ever want in a song in terms of this like shimmering disco, like barbershop vocal. Yes. And then you just have this, as you kind of mentioned there with the Phoenix track, it's like this, this like it's not she's clearly not really like that sad but there is like a yearn there where she's talking to this man on the other end of the line where it's like why well I want my boyfriend answer my calls like maybe we should just get together it's just oh like it makes me miss festivals and like being uh, just being on a dance floor and being in a club so much because this is the definition of like serotonin in a song, in my opinion. It's just glittery and fun and her vocals are just come all amazing. Yeah, it's really good fun. I love that thing of like, maybe I'll just cop off with the operator. Um, I love the barbershop kind of quartet or whatever vocals in the background. It's just every kind of element 
like it, it doesn't naturally sit together but somehow it's just like perfect when it, the way it all kind of fits into place and it's like so throwbacky as well it's like you know absolutely was yeah, like what, 20 when this that, came out she's like it, she's never had this situation <laughs> <laughs> it's this complete fantasy which is great like <laughs> that's the thing and it's but it's kind of that like hidden nostalgia that people love and is kind of that so prevalent in pop music today that it's kind of throwbacky and yet still really contemporary and yeah it's just it's so good and it really didn't surprise me at all to see it come up like countless times on social media as like uh the ultimate telephone song yeah it's a great shout and definitely like the maybe the ultimate operator involved song like and it's upbeat beat with it because you've got some yeah. Like I was thinking immediately of Tom Waits doing, you know, Martha, where it's just like operator number, please. And it's just really sad song about a dude in like his 70s ringing his like long lost sweetheart. And it's Aww. just like, oh, my God, it's a great song, actually, as well. Yeah. But it you'd never it you'd never get it nowadays, though. You'd, you'd, you get to a menu, it's automated like. <laughs> yes, 100 percent. Pop up menu, press two. Nobody can do that person. <laughs> my second choice um, is a song. um that is so good that you're going to be like, what is number one? Because this is just great. Ooh. Yes, Madonna hung up from Confessions on a dance floor from, I think, 2005. Maybe her last great piece of work. Um, I know she's had songs here and there, but that was a very, very good dance pop album. And of course, the sample, uh, Abba's Gimme, 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 which just sounds like the way it's used is so good. It's like it makes them sound like weirdly mythical or it's it's almost like sample, sampling like Beethoven or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so iconic and it works really well. Um I think Madonna, it was a situation where she had to like, you know, write a letter to ABBA and be like, please, can I use this? Because ABBA are famously just like, they don't let kind of their stuff be used unless um, Meryl Streep's involved or I guess Madonna. Um, <laughs> but, but they were like, yeah, sure, this totally works. They were like, yeah, inside a minute they knew it was it was great, um, which is um, very discerning of them, as we would expect. So it's like this, this is- and I think... Yeah, like a Fu- like Fuji's Rumble in the Jungle, I think was the only other song in recent times they've they've let be used. Um, but thank God they let, I guess, both, but more specifically this, yeah. Like a song that could have gone horribly wrong if you're to yeah. read what the plan was on paper and for it to work so well. And especially, as you said, when it's someone like ABBA who are so precious themselves and considered precious to the public. Like this era of Madonna is the one that I remember best because I, uh, because obviously it was so critically acclaimed and because I was like of age to remember it and realize, like live through it and see how good it was. And like, it's just so, so good. And the mark that it's had on pop culture, like you can't deny it. It's just infectious. So good. And kind of, you know, there's a phone involved. It's there in the chorus. I maybe like, I don't know how integral it is, but uh, am I getting away with it? Is that yes. 
Yes. He's got away with it, folks. No, because it it came up on social media as well where it was. Oh, did it? Nice. uh, It was suggested by a few um, and I can understand why. Cracker of a Sweet. Okay. It's time for your absolute top. Number one, Fanula. Craig, I just want to ask, are you drunk right now? anthem of my generation easily <laughs> this is marvin's room from uh drake um, and yes. a problematic fave um, the and <laughs> care which is undoubtedly my favorite and i find it hard to acknowledge anything he did after it because to me this album is so perfect and this song is the prime example of it like i remember hearing this because obviously he was around before this and I just never really registered. I didn't really think it was for me. And it's so hard not to get sucked in by this. It's the lyricism is like biting. Like where have you ever heard? Like, I'm just saying you could do better is what a stinging rebuttal. And, oh, I don't know. Like uh, uh, Erica Lee does that bit the, on the phone where it's like, are you drunk right now? And she, there's a bit at the start where she, it's Gary Drake's on the phone to her and, She's been out and she's like having none of it. Um, this is really where he established himself as the saddest soft boy in rap and hip hop and R&B. <laughs> um, his producer 40 said on like the legacy of the song Marvin Thurm. Who, sorry, would later betray him. We should just point yeah. that out. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pusha T. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Uh, he said the hard thing to do um, is be vulnerable and honest. Marvin's room opened the doors for artists in Drake's position to make music from their heart and not be so confined to self-imposed rules and regulations. Because there is so much of that stereotype in that genre of yeah. be all swagger and all this and all that and all bravado and this was a man who was openly willing to admit that he was having a banger and was crying because his missus just he didn't have he didn't have someone to bring home and ride like truly <laughs> a tragedy um I I have such a soft spot for this album I have such a soft spot for this song I like I love the flow of it and it's this kind of like incoherent ramble someone else might be on the other end of the phone listening to him or else he's leaving a a really long voicemail or maybe he's just so hammered that the phone isn't even turned on and but again like you're there you're in the moment with him and god it's 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 just hard not to see this as like the ultimate like drunk dial the heaviest of hearts song it's like i could i'd write a thesis on take care if i could and i know um, there's a certain Dahi would agree with me. Um, <laughs> the, album, the samples and everything, nothing he's ever done has come close. And as far as I'm aware, he has done nothing after this. His, he stopped after that. It's a pity that he didn't keep making records, isn't it? Isn't it? I know, I know, right. Um, yeah, like I think this is the close. I don't think Drake has a classic album. Or maybe, maybe this is a classic album. This is by far the closest he ever got, for sure. It is really, really good storytelling. Marvin's Room is just like, I think that was the moments as well where he started getting like proper critical kind of kudos and like pitchfork, you know, suddenly started taking notice. That was a yeah. real moment where he was just like 
running the show kind of obviously commercially and then just kind of, you know, getting praise in the, in the press. But yeah, it's like, it's that rambling kind of phone call natural thing where it's so, it's got to be so tough to pull off, right? Because you totally believe everything he's saying. It could actually be a phone call. Like one, one song that was kind of swirling around in my head on the shortlist was Alicia Keys. Uh, you don't know my name. Yes, where yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a great song, right? And it's like great Kanye beat. But she has, <laughs> I, I pulled a clip. We're not going to go through it because it's like the cringiest thing ever. Where she does a fake phone call asking a dude out on a date for it goes on for about a minute and a half, and it's like it's excruciating to listen to because it's obviously those scenarios are awkward to begin with, but also it's very evident that she's kind of just. Um, I was going to say phoning it in, but it's like she's not selling it whatsoever, <laughs> which makes it even cringier because you're like, oh, you're kind of doing this awkward thing and it's not quite working. All to say that, yeah, Drake really pulled it off. He could have his own, like, he could maybe have his own list. He goes to the phone stuff quite a lot. This is easily the best example of it, but this is a go-to kind of mechanism for him, right? Obviously, yeah. we talked about Hotline Bling, um, which is a jam, a great sample, kind of oh yeah this was like when at a time when drake stopped existing i forgot but yeah, yeah. it's probably into I, I don't know that song no <laughs> yeah. no but it is like he he loves the phone calls he that's a man who's a fan of telecommunications um i hotline bling is would obviously have been a strong contender because that's i mean like has a piece of music sounds so Bop. it's just lush on the ears but for me it's more as I said, this kind of ramble of lyrics where he's going from being kind of like really sweet to like begging to like really sore and like stung by everything. And it's this whole thing of like, he's clearly trying to make people feel sorry for him. And it's really hard to, because it's, you're obviously a multi-millionaire rapper, like, and try, as we said, someone won't come home with you, but it still gets to me. I don't know how it's the clause in it. You're just sitting there and you're like, I would like to give you a hug because you are clearly going through something. Nice. Okay, this is my number one. Kavinsky, Night Call, um, those synths, like the 80s called and they want their sad, icy synths back. Um, probably, doesn't sound like the kind of call you want to get. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We're talking about sad boys. Um, this is like a kind of mutated, monstrous sad boy that might kill your entire family or something. I was actually looking into this song. Um, and obviously, Kavinsky, um, French artist who was hugely indebted to 80s soundtracks obviously and had a bit of a career but obviously you know um came to prominence after the use of this song on drive which just it fits so perfectly um it had been used in the lincoln lawyer prior to that weirdly enough um which i think was a question in dave's quiz last week i can't remember which you probably got right and i did probably i probably got it right (laughs) 
um but yeah kind of then he, he came to fame and it just hit at a time probably early uh 2010s where this sound was everywhere and this was maybe the best example outside of chromatics i was looking at like th- the whole album outrun which I, I listened to once or twice there's nothing quite this good it's all a pretty good listen but there's a whole like narrative of like some kind of cheesy 80s movie that he was writing to and it makes sense why this is so kind of creepy sounding i didn't realize it was exactly what he's going for but like the first story he's he's playing this character that has a car crash dies in hospital and then comes back as like a ghostly phantom driver in like 1986 by the time you get to night call he's trying to like he's like some zombie character that's trying to get in touch with his old girlfriend um and just be like yeah i'm still around you want to like hook up or whatever do you drive over <laughs> a spin no yeah. zombie man and i'm like oh yeah so he was actually going for like a kind of a b-movie horror vibe cool yeah um so good and um yeah, the vocals are amazing. The melody's great. There's like, you can tell the melody's brilliant because there's so many just pure instrumental piano versions of this online where people nail it and it sounds tremendous. Yeah, London Grammar did a cover of this, which is on yeah, a whole, did, other, yeah. whole other vibe to this. But I'm so glad you picked it because it's it's just menacing. Like I, I remember hearing this for the first time and just being like, I've never heard anything like this or that elicits such a feeling in me of like I love this but I'm also mildly afraid like it's very very good so strong and yeah as I said potentially not a phone call that I would like to get at night (laughs) from a zombie man (laughs) fair um okay that has been an amazing top five there was there was so much stuff I had to leave off as well um oh sorry I will have to say honorable to go ahead boy kiss me through the phone yes um actually that was it <laughs> like, that, you, like you couldn't like that's kiss it oh, seven, eight, triple, nine, eight, two, one, two. that song had an actual number in it that you could ring and i did but couldn't get through it sold by myself so i was just pointing so. that was a real phone number did i know yeah. that i feel like i'm <laughs> do you know what band had a song that did similar Razor Elijah. Oh, of course they <laughs> their did. Song, their song Voice. The video for it is like Johnny in a phone boot and he's like calling out his actual phone number, um, which is like such a kind of 2004 thing to do and be like, yeah, Truly, actually, yeah, the fans are like leaving me voice messages and we've got really like grassroots, you know, connection. I can't, <laughs> I can't think of anything I'd want less than Johnny Burrell's number, to be quite honest. <laughs> Very fair. Very fair. Okay. This episode was engineered by Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan, who has recommended Charmed um, and had some amazing inputs outside of the Sonic Architecture. So thank you, Adam, as always. Um, if you want to give to the show and help us out, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash no encore. Um, but we really love and appreciate you and just listening is fantastic. So thank you for all your support. Um, Fanula, where can people catch you? All over the internet, I guess, right? Bandwagons oh, is a going concern, a great podcast. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I am at Fanula J, J-A-Y. It's a bad Simpsons reference everywhere on social media. And I co-host a podcast called Bandwagons with my good friend, Brie Brown. And we talk about all the things that other people are talking about um, and bandwagons that people are getting on. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Nice. Very much check that out. Um, has there been other stuff you've been listening to this week that you want to name check, Vanilla? 
um, Tiana Taylor's album, which is called The Album. I'm making my way through that and I'm enjoying it a lot. And also, Charlie Puth is living in my brain rent-free. I <laughs> love that stupid Caucasian man so much and the <laughs> renaissance that he's had in terms of his music. I can't believe he is the man that produced See You Again, which he should have been arrested for at the time and is now making these insane, insanely slick pop tunes like Girlfriend and I'm revisiting... I revisit his second album, Voice Notes, like probably two times a day. Um, nice. That's that's what's going on for me. What about you, Craig? I haven't been listening to much new stuff. Um, I really like Gemma Dunleavy's song, Up the Flats. That's so good. Class yeah, I'm enjoying that. I've really been that's digging good. that this yeah. week. Uh, James Blake released a new song, um, which is Are You For Real, I think. Um, the strings on it are fantastic, but he's still very much in like, um, like assume form kind of... Um, not like wife guy mode, but you might as well buy a hat. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Like he's yeah, getting yeah, there yeah. and it's a bit much lyrically, yeah. but he always sounds like so kind of sumptuous and stuff that it's a good mm. listen. Um, other stuff. I've been on a real Andre 3000 trip recently. Oh yes. Okay. I've been putting together like a playlist of his best verses and it's just too hard to like really pull together properly. Three sure hope- is incredible. What's the one on Frank's album, Frank Ocean? Oh, solo the reprise, yeah. yeah, yeah, so good. He just goes off, great features. So good, so good. What a man! So yeah, check that out. <laughs> Go listen to Tree Stacks, everyone. Um, and then come back and listen to us again next week when Dave will return. It'll be the Woo-hoo! usual crew. First of all, Fanula, thank you so much. This has been brilliant. Come back more often. Um, thank you for having you me. To. You're it's been great. This is my one of my favorite podcasts, and I love you all so much. And it's all joy to be here. Do you know, it's actually weird that you um, went with Drake because I I don't think it was the last time we were on the show. I think just been a time in between. But when I was going through like email stuff, I was just searching kind of for your email earlier on today. It, there was a running order for the complete opposite of this episode number 122. And we were reviewing fucking Scorpion. Remember that? That is... Was, that was a long bad. album. Oh God, was a like, long... don't talk to me about that album. Ugh. Let's not. Say no more. Drake hasn't done anything since. Take care. <laughs> that is that. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Craig Fitzpatrick. That's Fanula Jones. Be back next week. Take care. Love you. Bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.